<laughs> and so I turned around a little bit taken aback and sort of took a backward step to sort of assess the situation. And there was Graham Coxon pissed out of his head, who thought I was Robbie Williams. Welcome. We are Neil, Luke and Dave. 340-somethings reminiscing on the runners and riders of the 90s guitar music. We look at the bands who soundtracked our youth on both sides of the pond and interview some of our heroes from the bands that defined a generation. You'll hear about the good, the bad and the ugly of 90s guitar music. This podcast is stupid and contagious. Episode 11 of the Stupid and Contagious podcast. Um, this one's a little bit different. We're going to be speaking to Stu Whiffin from the Pink Toothbrush, which is the longest running indie club in the UK. 39 years, he says. That's a long time, right? Yeah, really. For is. any club to run. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into it, this episode, uh, new Beatles song. What, what's everyone oh, think? Oh, well, that's quite nice, I think. Yeah, I like it. It's all right, isn't it? It's all right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good. I like I like the strings. It sounds like a Beatles song. Um, I think it's great. It's clever, isn't it? It is a bit. It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the Red and Blue albums are coming out tomorrow. They've got some AI treatment as well. This is, this is the way forward then, isn't it? This is what's going to happen. I think the old Beatles stuff could use a bit of AI because it is a bit... You know, some of them weren't even yeah, recorded in stereo, you shouldn't, were they? You shouldn't mess yeah. with that shit, though, should you? you shouldn't no, you mess shouldn't. With that shit. I think part of um, part of music and albums is their historical context of how they were recorded as well. Luke, yeah, I say this in the interview. I don't think you'll take offence if I say that not everyone's going to know who he is. So, if you can just tell us a little bit about Stu Whiffin, our guest this week. All right, Stu Whiffin. I think he's currently 50 years old from Essex. And, um, yeah, he he runs the Pink Toothbrush, as you said, longest-running kind of indie club or alternative club in the UK. Did you watch the documentary that you talked about? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it's good. It was good. good. Yeah. Yeah, so so for anyone that wants to, it's probably a good idea, actually, too, is if you go on YouTube, there's a, a documentary 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 on the pink toothbrush it just basically gives you the whole history of of the club night so it's a, it's yeah, a good they, one to watch yeah well we will put a link in in the, in the notes yeah. if we can yeah before the pink toothbrush it was called crocs and according to the documentary it had real real alligators in in the club not sure that's necessary oh i don't know if you're going to call it that i'm sure there's pink toothbrushes everywhere True, moment. true. But crocodiles are different from alligators. Alligators are from America, aren't they? Crocs are from somewhere do. else. Thanks, David Attenborough. David Battenberg. That doesn't even match. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's the same amount of syllables. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> kind of. It's nearly that. Oh, it's was, nearly. I was quite proud enough. of that. That was off the cuff. So yeah, in the documentary they say like yeah, the amount of like live bands that have played there, Depeche Mode had a residency, Blur, yeah. Senseless Things, um, you know, say Radiohead got paid fifty quid to uh, to pay that to play there. Um, yeah, just real real long history, right? So uh, Stuart himself, so he's been DJing there for thirty years basically, and at the same time he's he's in a couple of bands when he was younger. He talks about it in an interview. He's in a band called Serious Problem, uh, managed by Ricky Gervais, and 
he was in another band. I think I haven't I haven't been able to find that much. I think they were called Lilo, and right. um, they got like a record deal and everything in those heady days of of uh, Britpop. Um, but I don't think it. I don't think it went anywhere. We mainly got Stu on because he's got such uh, encyclopedic knowledge of of that scene from the nineties, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, yeah, really yeah. interesting guy, and he he's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what he doesn't know about nineties music probably isn't really worth knowing. I think we probably agree. Yeah, and he's got a load of podcasts, basically. So if you're into if you're into this podcast, then I definitely recommend uh, Off the Beat and Track. Um, podcast he just interviews like loads of like musicians and actors and stuff and he has like a set of questions which he asks the same questions um every week and um it's it's really really good he's got one called hardcore listing and that people have to choose their top five and that's pretty funny um my favorite one of his though he's got a monthly podcast called acceptable in the 80s have you heard of it yeah i have yeah it's him and his mate <coughs> cunt from cunt and the gang and uh, they they basically <laughs> talk about you know Cunt and the Gang, right? <laughs> they had a top five hit with Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt. <laughs> Do you remember? No, no. What about the follow up a year later? Boris Johnson is still a fucking cunt. No, no. Prince Andrew is a sweaty non. What about the new one? Rishi Sunak is a rat face cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's not much variation on their themes, to be fair. Anyway, on that podcast, basically him, him and Cunt, they go through like that the month in like 40 years ago. So like, it'd be like, you know, whatever, November, like 1983. And they go through music and films and news and sport. And it's basically the most outrageously offensive uh, <laughs> podcast you could, you could imagine. They spend most of the time talking about um, how they imagine the, the, the cocks of various 80s celebrities uh, look like. Right. Give an example. Well, go onto Twitter and look up. Someone's made like Cock Trumps um, to go with a podcast. So just go onto Twitter Cock and have Trump. a look. Is it based on pure uh, fantasy or complete speculation? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they just name like an 80s celebrity, whether Jeremy Beadle, whatever. And then Cunt will just imagine, you know, whatever, whatever properties uh, Jeremy Beadle's cock comprises. It's going to be small and withered, isn't it? <laughs> Beadle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's just just chat a little bit about um indie clubs as that's what we're mainly focused on in in the interview what was the one that we the pav tav wasn't it that's pav the one tav, that we went to Brighton, tavern, wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. dave did you ever go to pav tav i think so well there was one that was definitely like you say underground literally underground this was overground this so was i remember now that underground one to the pav tav the underground one, Sorry, I'm on. pretty sure it's just called The Basement. Yeah, it's underneath. it was underneath that Ponzi wine bar. It was really weird because there was like a really laddish, typical, horrible bar. And then all the indie kids went down this, these dangerous steps into this dark, dingy basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The main one there, yeah, Pav Tap, Pavilion Tavern, on a Thursday, yeah. I think, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. They're the sort of places we used to frequent, right? And uh, a lot of fun, as I remember. Yeah, yeah. What 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 tunes do you remember to get you on the on the dance floor? It was always hard, to, I thought, to dance to indie music. I didn't really know what to do. Not for him. It was it was fucking 
cockered up, wasn't he? For want of a better phrase. What does that mean? You dance like Jarvis Cocker. Well, I was going to talk about that. So, like, uh, one of the, I think, like, the best tune to dance to at that time was Disco 2000. Yeah, because you could pull, you could pull Jarvis shapes, man. You know, like. Well, you could, yeah. Well, anyone can. That's the thing. And everyone, everyone did, you know, like Oasis, they just stand there like nothing, you know. Jarvis came along. You got, you got something to do at, at an indie club. He, he saved the indie club, you know. I kind of agree with Dave a little bit. I was always a little bit, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. You just shuffle, don't you? You, you kind of looked like you knew what you were doing. But that's that's probably my my top my top indie club tune at that time is Disco, Disco Two Thousand. I think the I think the Pav Tav they used to play a lot of mod music as well, didn't they? They did, they did, yeah. So they always there was always a Stones track would come on, wasn't there? Yeah, there was it was a it was a good mix. And the only one I know was always that again that was like a crossover one, right? I think that yeah. was my yeah that was my go to one. I think the one I remember. It did feel like you're sort of part of something different to the. Uh, the rabble going on above you in the streets of Brighton. Do you know what I mean? Always felt quite safe in an indie club, right? I mean, Neil used to fall asleep in the toilets every time, basically. I did used to fall asleep in the toilet. You're right. I know you did. I know you did. I think you did get that at these <clears throat> the indie clubs. You occasionally saw someone that had clearly just come with their mates or wandered into the wrong place. It was a bit of a crossover with Oasis fans. Stu talks about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, the sort of mid-90s, when Oasis came out, it became a different kind of scene, didn't it? Did you or did we ever go to the other the other clubs, the uh, the townie clubs? The only time I remember, we went to the Zap Club and I had like two or three people asking me if I had any pills. When I went to university, I got really into the dance scene as well at the time, like Paul Oakenfold and Sasha and Digweed and all that sort of stuff. So mm. I did used to go... I did used to go to, I think it was called the Paradox, and a few of the other places. <laughs> That's a in good towny nightclub name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was at university, I went to the Thickla and the Beer Keller in Bristol, and yeah, that kind of towny thing. I remember I used to have to walk through like the towny area to get home, and whoever mm. like whoever happened to be in the charts that week, I would get like shouted at me. I'd be like, "Oi, oi, Richard Ashcroft!" Just because I had like you know a bit of a <laughs> An indie heck. Oi, shed seven. Yeah. And whatever yeah. happened to be like higher in the charts that week, I, I got shouted. Stockholm had an indie club called Debaser, which was pretty good. Oh, after the Pixies song. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I saw uh, Blue Tones there. Slight Returns, a great indie club too, no? Yeah. I went to a bar the other day <clears throat> and I went, we were in the garden. I went to pay for my drinks and they're like, I oh, know you have to do it. You have to do it from the app. Like, what do you mean? Like, you have to do it from the app. It says on the table, you've got to scan the oh, QR code and pay like that. I'm like, I'm here now. Yeah. Why can't yeah. I just pay? <laughs> oh, man, I hate all of that. I didn't get a smartphone until a couple of years ago, right? So, you know. You haven't seen Star Wars either, have you? I still haven't seen it. I'm not going to. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Fuck off. I'll tell you what's bullshit. That fucking film is bullshit. That's what's bullshit. Luke Pie Stalker. <laughs> Mate, leave the comedy names to Dave. Because <laughs> my university was so small, it wasn't really a university, it was like an arts college. It wasn't really, it was in a small town called Farnham. And it's a lovely town. It's, I think it's one of the, the uh, most wealthy towns in the country or something. But um, yeah, so it didn't have any nightclubs. It had a few pubs and that. So the student union did their best to make it as decent as possible. 
every night of the week. They had a different night. They had like an 80s night. And I don't think they had a specific indie night. I think, more, I think people were more into dance music at that time. I'm not sure. Josh Wink, high state of consciousness. Uh, Robert Miles, children, all that stuff, you know. What about you, Dave? What did, what, did you go out in Cardiff? I've been out in Cardiff once. Do you remember? <laughs> I can't remember what the main indie club is called. There was a Welsh club. What happened to you in the Welsh club? What happened there? Well, it's club. called the Welsh club. <laughs> All right. You kind of felt like you weren't that welcome, though, if you weren't Welsh. But I'm sure you were. Did you have to fuck a sheep to get in? <laughs> <laughs> I, I instantly regret that comment. I take it back. <laughs> They had a good indie club. I just can't remember what it was called. Did you go? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, man. It's really This is this must be where Swin where Swin got the appetite to 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 make, to start the rakes. Oh, I'll do some name dropping, Dave. You better explain to the listeners who Swin is. But yeah, he's one of the founding members of the band The Rakes. Um, had some success yeah really good yeah. 22 grand wouldn't get you far in the city these days would it no not anymore this was 20 years ago yeah probably be yeah. 32 grand job <laughs> in the city yeah, yeah, maybe. yeah. maybe more yeah. in the city it's all right <laughs> yeah oh someone brought this up in the facebook group i just mentioned it really quickly um about us not having like little song song clips that we're talking about and the reason we don't do it is because there's a bit of a gray area with the whole copyright thing we might get away with it but we might not and we didn't want to do like be 15 episodes down the line and then all our episodes get pulled so we decided to just not do it which is why luke makes the playlist each week so that you can go and listen to the music that we're talking about we'd love to do it that way but it's it's just too much of a risk we just don't want all the episodes pulled and then That'd be a bit of a disaster. So, yeah. So we're ready to play the interview. It's really, really. Um, I mean, I wasn't there, but it was um, really good one to listen to. And it, when you listen to it, it sounds like Stu is and Luke and Neil have been friends. You know, he's just su- such a friendly guy. Uses their first name, so it just sounds like a friends chat. We're trying to get him in to be the third, the third <laughs> member. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, his knowledge of the lighthouse family it's just not there irreplaceable Dave oh thanks guys anyway here's the interview enjoy it hi Stu thanks for coming on um, hope it's okay to say that not everyone who's listening watching will will know who you are so you've mostly operated behind the scenes could you just introduce yourself to the listeners tell us a bit about how you got involved in the sort of indie scene in, in the 90s? Yeah, um, thanks for having me, gents. Um, pleasure. It's a real, 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 real pleasure to be on this podcast. Um, just just looking, uh, as, as I do on Zoom, uh, over people's shoulders when I turn up on podcasts because you get a, a little snapshot into people's uh, houses. I'm, I'm very nosy like that. <laughs> Luke, that's a very, very impressive vinyl collection you've got behind you. You know, I live in a tiny apartment in the middle of Tokyo. It's that's... not a good place to have a large vinyl collection. <laughs> right, I can imagine. I can imagine. I was hoping you was going to admit that it was just wallpaper. That wasn't actually a vinyl collection. <laughs> yeah, it's just a big poster. Um, 
<laughs> should have done and neil that looks like a, a a photo of kurt there i believe it is that's followed me around for 25 years an ex-girlfriend got it for me a, a long long time ago and uh wonderful yeah but yeah um I'm, i've been a um uh I, I was in two bands uh through the 90s one of which was signed uh one of which wasn't but was managed by ricky gervais that's our, our claim to fame oh. Um, oh, interesting. But, uh, well, can you tell us about that? What what yeah. what were the band called and uh, uh, and all of that? The band was called Serious Problem, and it was uh, a, a, a a kind of novelty comedy band, but um, but with some really really good musicians. Um, uh, and it was a kind of crazy. It was a nine piece. So we had uh, myself <laughs> as lead vocalist, and we had a couple of rappers, and we had a. We had the DMC Scratch champion uh, of the world at the time, uh, DJ Destruction, wow. doing scratching. So it was kind of a little bit Beastie Boys. Probably nice. it lent a little bit towards like Blood and Gang and that kind of novelty edge of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We've done lots of shows and, and done some really fun ones. Um, and yeah, Ricky saw us. He was the Ents manager at Yulu at the time. Oh, okay. I was going to say, how did he And had been... Uh, and was managing Swade um, as well. And uh, so we're we talking like 91, is this like? Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. No, like no, early no, Swade, no. like. Yeah, it was maybe, yeah, maybe a year later. I don't know. Yeah, it's very, okay. Very okay, 90s. 91, 92. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, and he looked after us um, until we kind of knocked it on the head, really. And um and then, yeah, I moved into uh, all, all of the time I was doing this, just to kind of fast track a little intro, really. Yeah. I'd, I'd got into promoting uh, indie nights in the very early 90s. Yeah. Uh, and I set a little one up in Basildon. And then I got headhunted by a club, uh, formerly called Crocs. And, and, and uh, for, for the last 39 years, it's been called the Pink Toothbrush. Um, to this day, it's the, the longest running. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's still, still going, right? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, I was there last Friday and I'll be there tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's it's something I'm fiercely proud of, um, of all the things, you know, that I've, I've kind of tried to do for work over the years. The toothbrush is, is, is my absolute baby and, and, and I love it. And it's, there's an amazing documentary on YouTube um, you can watch about the club, which... Um, really documents how important it's been certainly in in essex for uh the alternative community uh and and obviously for for many 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 years it was pivotal on the on the live circuit yeah well and, when, uh, when the podcast comes out we'll, we'll stick a link to that to that youtube yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. no no Thank people you. be interested so essentially that's been me like um always putting on Indie club nights, I set up club nights for XFM, I set up club nights for the NME, um, and then I started putting together celebrity-led, indie celebrity-led club nights. So I, I put together club nights with an, an actor called Matthew Horn, who was um, Gavin in Gavin and Stacey. And, yeah, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. run a night together, an indie night together, and for, for, for 10, 10 years, and, and I've... Uh, put club nights on for 10 years with Mr. Scroobius Pip, who I still continue yeah. to work with uh, to the, to this day. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of it really. Just always been a club promoter. Um, always been in bands. Not, not now. I'm way too old. Um, 
but yeah, and always just been obsessed with with music uh, of all genres. But I do have a, a huge love for music from uh, from the nineties, and uh, and because yeah. it was the 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 my youth, and so that's where yeah. I think we always I look mean, back so fondly on them for that, That's years. why we started the podcast. Really, we just we're getting a bit older, and uh, you know, we just it's nice to sort of reminisce on these things while we still can. Um, you but, remember. Uh, I mean, I think everyone, I guess everyone's youth, they'll say that they were the best period for music. But I, I do think that there's something about the 90s that I think maybe it was because it was the last sort of generation before the internet and mobile phones and all that sort of thing. And I think there was something special back then that maybe you don't have now. But I'm not young now, so maybe I'm just just because I'm I, old. I, I completely agree, Neil. I think um, I was listening to... Noel Gallagher on a, on a podcast the other day and they were asking him, you know, why was Nebworth so special? Yeah. And and he said, because everyone was in the moment. Yeah. No one had a mobile phone. Yeah. And, you know, you, yeah. you was there, you was connecting with a band. You wasn't yeah. texting your mate. You wasn't filming it, you know, yeah. so you've got it on your phone to never, ever watch again because like, does anybody <laughs> yeah. really go back and watch no. the footage they've got? No, of course they don't. No. A couple yeah. of days later, it's forgotten, isn't it? And yeah, and I, I totally agree. I, I think that period of music as well was really interesting. I think, you know, mm. even to sort of take it back two years to, to 88 and yeah. looking at the genres that were, were exploding in hip-hop um, and the crossover to, you know, in, in hip-hop and alternative music, in, in indie music, sorry, uh, and, you know, the, the tail end of Acid House, house yeah. music was exploding everywhere. And, you know, and you had the stuff that was coming out of Manchester and then, yeah. you know, to, and all of that kind of merged together. And by the time you get to the early nineties, you've just got some incredible bands just mm. uh, putting together these sort of hybrids of all of these things. And, and then I think the nineties, just as far as guitars go, I think it's been the the, the best decade of, of guitar music. Like, I, I don't think yeah, it's been yeah, better. I agree. And, like, and... Like, just, just putting, just because uh, we've got a little Facebook group, just, finding music to put on there and remembering and listening to some of the bands now. It's just like the live performances were incredible, you know, and yeah. the guitars were just so loud. And I just, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was pretty special. Yeah. I, I, I remember having an, an online argument with, with some, someone once as you do. And, uh, you know, saying like uh, how, like, I think like Britpop's kind of laughed at. Right. And I was like, you know, the Rolling Stones never wrote a song as good as Rock and Roll Star, you know. Dylan never wrote a song as good as Common People, a socially political song as good as Common People. You know, you can laugh all you want, but these were amazing tracks and amazing times, you know. I, I think <laughs> Common People becomes a, you know, a, a, a wedding song and a Mr. Brightside, you know, it becomes oh, that. Mr. Brightside. Oh, it's so much more than that. It's incredible. But, the depth of that song, man. It's... Yeah. Let me just say that I think Common People, behind Be My Baby by the Ronettes, is the greatest pop song ever written. It's a oh, It's my song of the 90s. That's amazing it's you said that. I've always... I've full always version. It. Full version. Yeah. It's got to yeah. have. You'll never understand how it feels to live your life in no meaning, no control, and nowhere left to go. You're it's like... Back. Chills up the spine it's stuff, man. Amazing. That like a dog lying in the corner. That when it kind of drops down like that, it's oh man. Yeah. I've got yeah. yeah. Same, 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 same. I, yeah. I, I think also Jarvis Cocker 
was the last great British pop star. Oh, um, nice. That's interesting. I, don't get me wrong. I don't like his music, but uh, I'm quite interested by Lewis Capaldi. He amuses me, no end. Oh, me too. I'm always watching Lewis Capaldi. Um, but I think Jarvis was just the anti-hero. He was the, the, the absolute yeah, nerd, and he just took over the world. And, you know, the, the Brits... I, uh... Malarkey was fantastic. And... I went to see. I went to see Pulp in their first gig after the Brits debacle. It was like the following week. They played Cardiff, and uh, it was just it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, have you watched the the documentary um, where they break down common people? Uh, no, I haven't. No, oh, it's on the BBC, and, and they go back to the studio, um, and it's it's pretty much the full band. I think. Um, I think Hawley's there as well. Mm. And they go back to where they rehearsed it and wrote it. And uh, cause it was at the drummer's dad's shop. They had like a loft above it. It's a wonderful doc. I think it's on a BBC mm. iPlayer. Uh, and they break that song down and they try and find the girl that he wrote it about. Right. And, uh, <laughs> right. But it's, yeah, I, I, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. There's some in Pulp are an incredible band. Yeah. Uh, but common people from for me is is yeah it's arguably the greatest pop song ever. Oh yeah, and that mate agreed. agreed. That whole album is just. It was when I was well, Luke as well. We were both at uni at the time, different universities, but yeah, that album was everywhere, and uh, yeah. everyone was loving it. It's yeah. just a great album, yeah, lyrically absolutely. and and musically, just a great album. And and the social commentary is is fantastic. Yeah. You yeah. know, just that. Yeah. You know, or just the the pop, the joyousness of the music, and you've got that kind of his Mike Lee esque kind of kitchen sink, yeah. you know, uh, social commentary. It just works perfectly. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where did you go to uni, boys? I went to uni in Farnham. It's a, it's a tiny little arts university. It's good fun, though. Uh, this was back in the mid-90s where people just went because they didn't want to go to work because you didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. I was in Bristol. Oh, right. What, in the 90s? Yeah, mid-90s. Oh, yeah. mate, yeah, what yeah, a yeah. time to I be I used to see, Bristol. like, Ronnie Size on his bicycle and uh, and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. You lived in the horrible bit of Bristol, though, didn't you? I, I I moved to a nicer place after, but yeah, I did for a bit. Yeah, yeah. It was fun though, man. I used to go in like St Paul's and they have like like lock-in pubs with like these huge Jamaican dudes on the door, and I was like this little indie kid trying to get in. It was cool. It was fun. Yeah. Good what times. was the kind of what was the indie club scene like where you were? In well, Brighton. Well, that's what we're, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that now. Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, no, in Brighton, yeah, we we loved it. Uh... It was um, it was quite underground, but most of the clubs were underground. But uh, yeah, no, it was pretty <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, I mean, like, we're going to ask about this because, like, um, there was one club we we only went a couple of times, but it was like this underground basement, and it was like super tiny, and it looked like someone's flat basically, and they had like a this alternative club, but it was like right in the middle of West Street. I don't know if you've ever been to Brighton. It's like the um, it's like where the it's like the equivalent of like the Ritzies or whatever. They're like the Zap Club. So to get there, you had to walk through like yeah. beard up geezers. And it was fucking scary, man. As like a <laughs> little indie kid at the time. Did you have any of that when you were a, a punter before you were a DJ? Like, especially in Essex. I don't know, man. Well, 
Essex, you know, I, I guess as you, you sort of get late 80s, early 90s in Essex, you know, we was the the poster for the Essex girl and, you know, these these kind right, of exactly. stilettos and white stilettos yeah. and all of that. And and it was very much that, you know, the lads were soul boys and, you know, uh, XR free eyes. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, there was, I went to lots of clubs like that just that were local because it, it, you know, essentially I just wanted to go with the people that I was at college with to get drunk and meet girls. And, uh, and then I think it would have been 90 that my mates went, we should, we should go to pink toothbrush. And, and by then, like, cause in the late eighties, I was always in the sort of, uh, I, I loved pop music. Like, and by by that I mean the pop music that was coming out in the eighties. I'm I'm talking, you know, Essex's heroes, Depeche Mode. Oh and man, Eurasia, I'm a bit, Depeche big Shop Depeche Boys Mode and, fan. Neil's and, the Depeche Mode fan of the group. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mode. fantastic! Like, How can um, you not be, Luke? You're an idiot. Well, they they, they were a resident. I don't band. not like them. I just I just don't know as much <laughs> as you do, man. I'm... <laughs> if you watch the um the toothbrush documentary you'll see footage of the peshmo playing there they were like the residents and, oh really uh, oh wow oh, back cool. back in the day yeah and uh because the the the, the toothbrush is in the, the 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 little town that 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 shoulders with basildom obviously where they're from yeah. um and I, I got convinced to go to the the, the toothbrush and I remember walking in and the first time i walked in i heard this track called groove with mr blow by mr blow um, which is almost like a sort of Northern Soul record, and it's just a harmonica. Uh, uh, it's a fucking great record, and I remember thinking, "Wow, I didn't think clubs could play stuff like this." And then I was hearing Nitzareb, and and I was hearing the one like early Wonder stuff, early yeah. Popoli itself, Jesus Jones, Info Frico, and I, I remember just thinking, and 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 the people in there. There was kind of lots of people that were one of the big sort of Robert Smith. There was loads of Morrissey clones. Uh, there was loads of lads in sort of senseless things t-shirts with dreadlocks and shorts and, yeah. and Carter t-shirts. It was the, the the year of the the t-shirt bands. And yeah, yeah. but then you'd also get all your baggy boys that that you know. And and I remember hearing the Vince Clark remix of Rope for Luck in there on that first night, and just thinking, mm. I'm never going to go anywhere else. Like this, this is me. And yeah. and I religiously went every week, and 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 to be honest, it was for most people in Essex. They it, it was Marmite. You either walked in there and went fuck this. There's it's dingy <laughs> in here. It smells. It's full of weirdos. <laughs> no, thank you. But yeah. that's well, what you I went. Wanted. I'm home. Yeah, 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 yeah and it was. It. And yeah, it was. Same and, for us. And, same for us. Know, and I've uh, it's been my home for. You know, for for thirty years, and and don't get me wrong, I always set up other nights um, because I, you know I, I I set this little night up when I was still clubbing at the toothbrush, and and built it up, and uh, in, in, it was a little night in Basildon, and I built it up to the point that the club head hunted me and, and and brought me in, and I couldn't believe my luck. I you know this club that I loved, I become a DJ and had no idea over the years that I'd have you know my name above the door and it'd be you know it, it, I'd be running the place it was it was crazy but wonderful but then I think what happened as the 90s I, I guess essentially when Nirvana happened 
mainstream clubs were like, we need one of these indie nights. Right. Because, right. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it felt then that certainly by like 94, you know, I was going out five nights a week to, and there was indie nights wherever, you know, you go into London and there was, you know, where, where I lived, I was like a 20 minute drive from London. So we'd go up to, uh, uh, Leicester Square and there was a club called the Gas Club which was you know a very famous kind of dance club but on a Wednesday night uh, it was keyboard breaker Ian Baker from Jesus Jones a DJ um, and a guy called Jeff Automatic and the warm-up DJ was a guy called Errol Olken and wow. uh, and and we'd go and watch Errol playing you know I, I remember yeah. him. he was the first person that, that I remember played uh, Killing in the Name by Rage in a nightclub right. oh wow and I remember thinking, fucking hell, this, this what's this? And and I remember him playing Razzmatazz by by Pulp. And uh and and it, it just felt that like e- everywhere indie nights were popping up. And yeah. but they were still had retained that kind of thing that it's fucking full of weirdos. And if you was a lad that liked football, girls, lager you weren't going to go to them places because it weren't yeah. what you was about. Fast yeah. forward two years, two brothers from Manchester start <laughs> football fighting, fucking, and, yeah. and all of a sudden, they blow the doors yeah, off yeah. and opens it to the, the football terraces. The pastel, then... he used to call them the pastels. Everyone yeah. had a different shade of pastel Ben Sherman, right? Yeah. That's what I used to call them. Yeah. Noel yeah. Gallagher said that, didn't he? He said when I walked on stage at Nebworth, I thought, well, I've just fucking killed the indie scene. <laughs> and yeah. uh and, and and it just took it to the masses where yeah. the aforementioned pulp and Oasis and Blur and Suede, they become the biggest pop bands, you know. Yeah. They, they were yeah. they were pop bands then, you know. They were they pop bands, they were pop yeah. and yeah, and it was so mad. And then you could not move for indie nights, they were everywhere. Yeah. You can't find one for love and the money now. But yeah. Like, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. But, Did um, you DJ up at, around the country much at that point? Around the country, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the band, you know, the bands were playing uh, all, all over the shop, but uh, I was very much kind of Essex-based um, and, and yeah. you know, kind of spun all of my little other little nights off the fact that, you know, I'd, I'd managed to black this residency at the Toothbrush, which was, yeah. you know, the, the, the mecca for alternative kids in Essex so yeah it's interesting there was a great one in uh in sorry mate there's a great yeah. one in Bristol uh called the Thecla it was on a boat oh, DJ oh, Thecla yeah. DJ Thecla uh for Dr. Dot Festival with Matt uh when we oh, done right. that session night a few years yeah, I used ago, to go there yeah. on a Saturday night when I was I remember uh, at that. university yeah, you used to talk about that a lot the Thecla yeah it's great, yeah, it's great. great. still yeah. going strong I believe yeah oh really as a as a nightclub as a club I believe so like uh yeah don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure wow amazing yeah yeah it's interesting what you're saying about nirvana there because um we we interviewed um ben from the census things and it he he <laughs> he said that basically nirvana killed the census things because you know census things were ticking along nicely touring around the country doing all the gigs and then nirvana come along and it's everyone just wants to listen to nirvana you know <laughs> well um, I, I kind of get what you're saying to a degree um, because we, we call bands like Carter, Stuffies, Senseless Things, Grebo bands. That's what yeah. we call them. Did you play them in the club, though? 
The Were senseless things um, played at my I mean, club and my band supported them. It was oh, the really? senseless oh, wow. things, senseless oh, things wow. corner shop and us on the same bill. Oh, wow. That's that amazing. Very early corner shop. Yeah. Uh, but senseless things, I think we're still, like, I, I think Hold It Down had just charted. Yeah. And, I, I've uh, got a bone to pick with corner shop. I'll tell you about it after. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Um, and... Uh, and I remember to this day, I have never seen a better bass player on stage than oh, Morgan Nichols. Morgan is amazing. He's just phenomenal. Off the scowl. Yeah. Um, and and Ben was the serious one. Ben was the like the the, the, the guy that seemed a bit more quiet than all the others. Uh, yeah. Because I was fanboying out, and I was playing Paul with Mark Heads. Uh, God rest his soul. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, sure. uh, who was just this super sweet, cool tiny little man yeah, everyone said uh, he was just always super friendly right yeah lovely uh as as I, i've got video footage of um of my friend who could put an entire um uh an entire bag of minstrels behind his foreskin and uh and See, i told video. you everyone. yeah <laughs> i've got, <laughs> I've got not, a video. he wasn't in emf was he no, no. Uh, I've got a funny story about uh, about that's them the as story well. about EMF, right? Put it, he put he put an orange inside his foreskin. Zach could, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Neil didn't believe uh, me. he wouldn't have it. I told yeah, him he would not sure. believe me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's confirmed. Yeah, I've got a go. video of Morgan Nichols going. Man, <laughs> so you haven't got it? a video of that? No, I've got a video no. of Morgan Nichols <laughs> just looking bewildered at my mate cramming a, a bag of. Uh, Minstrels behind his foreskin backstage. Uh, uh, Why? But yeah, what, what a band they were. I think he just wanted to show off in front of the senseless But how did, how did he find out he could do that? I imagine a process a of, 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 yeah, of, of elimination. I don't know if he started <laughs> off with Rebels or I'm not sure. But sure. I, I think yeah. they, they didn't melt quite You go with Skittles or something smaller, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that what happened with and what's it really interesting about bands from that era, which I, I bang on about at any opportunity I can on, on, on my podcast, is people always talk about Oasis and the Stone Roses, you know, as these trailblazers and the Smiths, you know, uh, which are all amazing bands. Um, and they, they, you know, but they forget that these bands didn't have massive hits in america emf yeah. had a number one oh, yeah number one yeah. Yeah. jones had a number one yeah like yeah, yeah. you know stateside that's huge yeah but i think all of them bands like them them kind of grebo bands that were dominating my favorite part of the 90s which is the one stuff carter e that that that's yeah. my absolute yeah, yeah. favorite thing census things i love yeah, that i think music. same for us really that, yeah the, that's, that's, that's who we've the, been uh, interviewing so far actually yeah, so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the whole thing then the focus changes because Nirvana happens, and yeah, it's like that's, that's what he said. Oh my god, yeah, this absolute amazing band happened that released a whole album of perfect pop songs. Yeah, there's yeah. no track on Nevermind that isn't yeah. pop perfection. Yeah, it's like yeah, you, you break it down. I was really lucky on uh, on my podcast to have Butch Vig on. Oh really? Yeah, Amazing, yeah. I thought I heard I, that. Yeah, and I spoke to Butch because I always ask guests like, "What's the greatest ever intro?" And he's like, "How can I not say Team Spirit?" And <laughs> yeah. you know, and 
you know, yeah. I, I know that Kurt wasn't overly blown away or, or, or a big fan of the production of that album. You yeah. know, I think he was more towards the Albini kind of approach. But yeah. for me, yeah. I, I think what Butch done with that record is phenomenal. And I think the intro sonically, you know, when you hear well, any of the sort of quiet lad, quiet lad moments on them album, that album, it's just they someone described it as being in a house and the roof collapses on you. Yeah. And, and 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 I and I just couldn't I couldn't describe that any better. And I think yeah. once that happened, and then you know everybody started to kind of be obsessed with Kurt and be interested in the things that he was interested in, you know. And it was just like, mm. all right. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I went back and, and got obsessed with Teenage Fan Club because of. Kurt's love for, for Teenage Fan Club. Yeah. But but then I was in oh, who's Mud Honey? Who's Tad? You know, who, yeah, yeah, who's yeah. Sonic Youth? Yeah, so. And then like mm. and and then obviously at that point, the Chili Peppers have commercial success, Pearl Jam has commercial success, yeah. Sand Garden, you know, all of these, you know, not not the Peppers, but all of these Seattle bands. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden they were just like everywhere and it was exciting it was like oh there's a, a new movement in music and yeah, yeah it's cool and yeah. it's fronted by this complete anti-hero you know which is yeah everything you want at that age and i think everybody's eyes just went across the pond and yeah, yeah and it that's, sort that's of left a lot of those bands them grebo bands kind of i don't know it, it just felt like the press had moved to, to what that's, was that's happening exactly in that's exactly that's what exactly Ben said. He said, yeah. 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 yeah, the the press were just not interested anymore. It's just all about. But I mean, looking Seattle back, scene. like that's exactly what we did, right? <laughs> yeah, and we were the yeah, perfect, yeah, we, we, we were into those bands, <laughs> and we totally we were went full grunge, basically, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you know, all of a sudden, you know, everybody had grown their hair. Everybody was wearing you know yeah. check shirts and shorts and docks, yeah. and Guilty. and it was. <laughs> yeah, like we, we've all done it, and you know, yeah. and but the music's aged really well. Like, yeah. you, Pearl Jam has yeah. still got a huge following. Pearl Jam is still Mate, selling out the, arenas and stuff. One of my favorite bands. I saw yeah, them great. last year. And, oh, did you? And they, uh, yeah. Again, just every time I see them, they're one of the best fucking live bands you will ever yeah. see. And, yeah, no, I need to and do again, that. Again, them. So everything they do, they retain integrity, and yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. little compromise yeah, yeah. and and i love it and and i think also you know once the sort of world turned to america at this point you've also got things like the beastie boys you know were, were, were making incredible music faith no more you know we're releasing yeah. angel spoke dust to, spoke and to roddy like, the other week he's a lovely right. fella you had roddy on your podcast yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we don't know how nicest bloke you could ever meet man so <laughs> such a good bloke man yeah, like, what change. a moment! What a yeah. fire! Seriously, album. it's probably the, one of the best moments of my life. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the best name in rock and roll, like Roddy the Potter. ultimate yeah. best name. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm very jealous of that, boys. Yeah, That's no, he great. Good. It was a, he was a really interesting guy, though. Really humble, just really interesting stories, just to what you would imagine. Basically, he was just a, yeah, yeah, it was really fun to talk to. Oh, but yeah, what a band. It. Oh, mate, ridiculous. And incredible live. Absolutely incredible. Mike Mike Patton's got one of the greatest voices. Uh, Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's got like. So, what was your. He has actually got like an insane range. Like, I I watched this um, thing on YouTube where someone sort of delved into his vocal range and it is like 
it's a bit like Mariah Carey you can do more ranges than anyone else sort of thing mm. but yeah incredible what was your uh, go-to grunge track at the toothbrush to, to get everyone on the floor a little later it would have been Rearview Mirror by Pearl Jam. Uh, one of my favourite oh, really? Pearl Jam songs. Um, yeah, it's a good song. Not, not an obvious one, though. Interesting. Um, that that I managed to sort of build, build like get get people on board with because it's got such energy. Yeah, um, yeah, anything so. in and around that, and I use this term grunge loosely, but mm. you know, you had your guaranteed, you had your being called stealing. Killing in the name, and, I guess. And killing the name, give it away. You know, yeah. anything <sighs> like that would work. Um, but I, I'd probably... I'll probably say Drain You by Nirvana. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. So, Again, that's not an obvious one, right? That's that's interesting. Um, what an intro. Yeah. yeah. What an intro. Yeah. What a track. Um, I mean, I guess yeah. that's the beauty of DJing. Like, um, it must be such a buzz to sort of drop tracks that you love and watch everyone go go nuts. They must be insane. Well, sort of. Like, it's amazing when it happens, yeah. but there's, you know, for every rear view mirror that I've managed to sort of, you know, turn everyone around onto. Yeah. I've always, there's always a, a chapter, there's always a pearl by chapter ass that didn't work <laughs> when I was trying my no. best to make it I work. I wonder why. <laughs> and, uh, and and there was, yeah, like there's so many songs, you know, that I just think, why are people not loving this? Because yeah, yeah. I think it's great, but you have to kind of find that sort of balance, I think, as, as a, club dj of sort of dropping some new stuff and 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 also giving them what they want yeah not going too far off the wall retaining a little bit of integrity along the way do you know what i mean um but it's so different now because as as i'm sure you boys know back back then if you wanted a record you wanted to hear something your mate was either going to have it and tape it for you or you might be lucky, and on the third Saturday of every month, it might be the indie chart on the chart show. Oh man, you those those five to... minutes! Or, oh. <laughs> yeah. Waited that for him for like every three weeks for that five yeah. minutes on the for the indie charts. Yeah. Completely, and you couldn't see these people anywhere. You could buy the enemy or select, and you could look at them, but you couldn't you could see read the videos. About it. Yeah, and yeah. you couldn't you couldn't just go on Spotify and listen to it. You know, yeah. you had to, and, and it was so it it made everything more valuable and more elusive and that that value was through the you know when you did get that record you'd associate it with that journey you know be like oh right yeah I remember you know I went to Gumby's in South End and yeah I I part exchanged a couple of old records I had and and they gave me four quid and then I managed to buy you know that Matter Rose record I wanted and (laughs) and you know and you've just got and then you'd go home and you'd play that record religiously whilst I don't know if you were the same. I'll just devour the sleeve and just look at the sleeve oh, and, yeah. and I still read do. it. Yeah, still about it. And like, yeah. yeah, and and that's one of the things I love. I love you know being able to stream music. I think it's amazing. I've I've got a collection very similar to yours behind you, Luke, and and it's my pride and joy. And one of the things I don't want to become you know a granddad and go, well, you know, it's better in the day. But one of the things two of the things the first was what i said where you attach a journey to it you know of when you got that record i love that yeah what you don't get through streaming and digital releases now i don't think is iconic album artwork there's probably loads out there but you don't see it because you've just got a little little box on your phone (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. and i think whereas 
you know, back in the day, you'd you'd grab that, even a CD, and you'd be like, fucking look at that. That's phenomenal. You know, would you yeah. have enough, you know, would that Nevermind Sleeve have the impact now if it just... No, probably released? wouldn't, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a lot of artists that that's works getting overlooked and, yeah. you know, when, when yeah. there's probably some, you know, I'm, I'm sure most artists still give every bit as much time and effort into their album design as, yeah. as ever, but it's, yeah. it seems to just kind of get lost a little now. Yeah. No, Going back totally to that scarcity good. thing though, I think that, that may, that made your job more valuable, right? Because you were the, yeah. the selector. You were selecting only a limited number of tunes every set, right? So you were kind of steering the scene at the same time. Did you feel that you were part of of building that scene just in the fact that you were choosing what people were going to hear and they wouldn't go home and buy like the next weekend in Woolworths or whatever? I was definitely skint. Like I spent all my bloody money <laughs> trying to get these records. But you were oh. you were part of building steered how that scene evolved because you were the one selecting to a records. degree to a degree i should credit that the, the guys that were there before me um that had established the club on the map um and uh but yeah make no mistake i had you know two and a quarter hours every saturday night to influence and when i started i was a new kid i'd get the first first hour and uh and this was kind of when people would come, you know, into clubs early and they wouldn't, you know, they, they wouldn't be sort of sitting at home drinking, drinking beer. Um, they'd come in the club early because I'd be playing new music and it was a great hour to have because there was no pressure to make people dance. It was like, right, I'm just going to play some really great music. And then when you get them people coming up, which they don't do anymore because they've all got Shazam and things like that. And they're like, what's yeah. this? And like, and I promise you, I never kind of adopted that high fidelity snobbery. Like, I'd always be like really excited if people come up and wanted to know what what I was playing. And and it's lovely, you know, if you get if you play something that that connects with someone and they come up and they want to know what it is, and you think, oh, they're going to go and buy that now, and you don't know where that relationship they have with that record's ever going to go. Do you know what I mean? They could end up walking down the aisle to it, or they could end up naming their kid after the, the artist that sings that song, or and, you know, the fact that I've been at this venue for so long, it's amazing to see people come along and go, oh, my mum and dad said to say hello. Makes me feel old as hell, but my mum yeah. and dad said to say hello. They met here. Uh, That's and, nice. And, yeah. and their kids are coming to the club now. So it is, it is nice. But, yeah, I guess I, 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 I definitely think there were certain records I will play that probably weren't getting played in other clubs that I managed to to grow into floor fillers and I'll shout uh, out. Fred, can you give us an example? Trans Global Underground, Templehead. Oh, nice. Um, nice. I remember that. And um, uh, a track by an artist called Matar, which I think there was some involvement with Weller on that called Indian Vibes. And, uh, and it's just, yeah. a, it's almost like if you stuck a sitar over Fool's Gold and, yeah. uh, and, nice. and, and, and that, that really worked. Um, just Matar. Just M-A-T-H-A-R. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. No, no. You, you, I'm sure as, as, no. as, as 90s lads, you'd hear that and you'd be like, yeah. Um, and a little bit later on, I really, really pushed bands um, from that kind of the peripheries of, of Britpop. Um, I really pushed My Life Story, David Devon, no, Spirit Wife, Rialto, lots of bands like that, you know, big kind of, 
epic songs. Um, yeah, I think probably, That's... probably those. There's probably mm. countless more. Blur, I was a big, big, um, it, it felt like Modern Life is Rubbish was a forgotten record at the time. You know, Blur had had their their moment with yeah, they kind of they kind of got some success, and then they, they, I think people forget they sort of, you know, yeah, got got pop, put pop off to scene the side. was a, a, a minor hit, and then um, I remember it when I heard For Tomorrow, and I'd, I'd I've seen Blur more than I've seen any other band, and we'd go and watch Blur all the time in like the old track in Windsor, just little venues, and and I, to this day I still think. Modern Life is their greatest record. I think it's it's absolutely fine. Advert, Advert yeah. was a track that I turned into a big tune on the dance floor um, uh, at the Toothbrush. Uh, which was um, I heard your your interview with Dave Roundtree on the off the beaten track. Right? How was it? Yeah. How was it to chat to him, man? That's pretty I was, exciting. Uh, I was I was a little bit um, I was a little bit uh, starstruck, really. Um, I'll try and kind of. I mean, fucking hell! You interviewed Roddy Bottom. I would be starstruck uh, if if, if uh, <laughs> I, I got to uh, chat to him. But yeah, like I think he DJed at the Toothbrush anyway, um, and yeah, and I knew that he was probably going to be all right. And uh, and he was he was lovely, and it, it just happened to be it. It felt so right. Literally, I woke up that morning and I was interviewing him at ten. And then literally at nine o'clock, they made the announcement that Blur were playing Wembley Stadium. And I just thought, <laughs> fuck me, this has felt right. Let's I'm going to get, get a lovely little exclusive <laughs> here. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, met, I'd met Graham. Uh, this is quite a 90s story. Uh, and I'd, I used to go in the mid-90s, used to go up to Camden a lot and just have a pocket full of demos and hang around the Dublin Castle uh, and just try and meet Andy Ross and yeah. whatever, whatever labels were there or whatever pop stars were <laughs> yeah. there, just force a cassette in their hand and go, oh, get me a record deal. And, uh, but I, South End boys were menswear and, and, and I knew them like, cause uh, they used to come to the club. We were menswear fans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so Chris, Chris used to be in a, Chris Gentry used to be in a band called Smear and we used to play together all the time. And then Chris used to wander around in a Kingmaker t-shirt with really long hair with red streaks in it. Was it the and, fuck uh, me? It's Kingmaker T-shirt. Like, yeah, that was a popular one, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Chris disappeared. He said, "I'm going to move to London." I was like, "All right, cool." And about three weeks later, Kingmaker fan, you know, red red haired hippie Chris was in Select magazine on a Vespa in a fucking a three piece suit, and I was like, "Oh, tight, what's happening to Chris?" <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "It's Johnny as well. What's going on? They're all mods." And uh, and then yeah, then it just it blew up. But I was at the. Well, I wore Cup. a snake belt for the first my first whole year I at university because the Chris Gentry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid look, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> True story. He had one in in in, in the NME. I thought I had to get a snake belt. Oh, anyway, wonderful. sorry. Go go. I think, go I think he worked in uh, him and uh, one of the other guys from the band set up a management company, didn't they? I think they 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 certainly. Managed They've all gone on to do successful them. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and obviously Matt Everett, uh, yeah, has done done really well. Um, but uh, so I'm outside the, the Dublin Castle talking to Chris Gentry, uh, who was at the probably the peak of menswear success, and so I was just chatting to him, and I had uh, peroxide hair at the time. And uh, and then all of a sudden, 
I've just felt like someone come up from behind me and put their hands over my eyes and kiss me like on the cheek and just go, it's Robbie, right? And I just thought, what? And then I just heard Robbie Williams. And <laughs> and so I turned around a little bit taken aback and sort of took a backward step to sort of assess the situation. And there was Graham Coxon pissed out of his head who thought I was Robbie Williams. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I, but you know, as I mean, much as Robbie did, have, by, Robbie did have peroxide at the time, he was in his yeah. trying to hang out with Oasis phase. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, and so I was a bit taken back by it, but then also just in awe that it was Graham Coxon. Yeah. I was like, "Fucking hell, Graham!" I said, "Like, where have you been?" And he said, "I've just got back from Top of the Pops because we've gone to number one with Country House." This is wow. a Brit popper story as it gets, uh, and so I then just uh, you know had a little drink and 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 was completely starstruck and, and spoke to Graham Coxon. And then my mate was driving on the way home. We drove round um, to food records and outside the record company building was about 15 foot high with this sort of A-frame for sale sign uh, on the front of the building saying country house for sale. And it was like a promo thing. I was like, fucking hell. I said, I want that. So my mate drove (laughs) his car up onto the pavement and I stood on his roof and he stood on my shoulders and we ripped it off the building. And where there was <laughs> two of them, like, stuck to the wall, we split it down the middle and we had one each. And uh, that Saturday, if that's not 90s enough, that Saturday I was watching the chart show and uh, and they were talking about Country House being at number one. I don't know if you remember, they used to put up a little bit of, sort of stats in the middle of the the record of, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. middle of the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just come up about Country House had gone at number one, blah, blah, blah. And then the next one come up saying uh, that a country house for sale sign had been stolen from their record company. Building that, <laughs> that was the fact. And I could see it in the corner of my room and I was thinking, shit, that's me. God, so you're on top of the pretty, top pretty much. <laughs> great. That's great. So, yeah, that's my Britpop story. What that's good, man. So I was thinking like, um, so post Britpop and then pre the strokes, like music seemed to be completely fragmented. Mm. Right. You've got like like the Scottish indie stuff started, you know, Bell and Sebastian and Arab Strap. You had some like amazing guitar bands that I love, like Six by Seven. Six you had like seven, um yeah. like Big B and Skint Records and all of that. How did you negotiate that as, as a club DJ? Was there something that kind of brought everyone together? Yeah. Uh my incessant, my incessant up until I was done an off the beaten track live show last night and I played it on there to everybody that turned up because people don't get how good so close by six by seven is. Oh, it's the greatest mate, intro to mate. any record. <laughs> and and I have championed You're preaching that to converted. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. And people don't know it. And oh, I'm we like, saw them live, didn't we? We saw them live. Yeah. yeah I've yeah, seen yeah. like three times, but yeah, yeah, we saw them together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What what a band! They an uh, amazing live band as well. Yeah, uh, unbelievable, Huge. unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, and Absolutely. they did the best version of Heroes I've ever heard. Oh. Do a live version of Heroes, just unbelievable. Yeah. What a band! Yeah. So, uh, what a oh, band. yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I'm generally always the one mentioning seven. Six by Seven to people, and they're like, "Who?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, such hell. a shame, man. People need to go and listen to Six by Seven. Yeah, if they haven't already. Massively. Sure. Club wise, it was weird because." Yes, you had Bell and Sebastian that weren't necessarily making indie club bangers as much no, as I love, no. I love them. <laughs> Same, I think they're yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. But they weren't really making songs that were 
going to no, get no. drunk students going. Um, Same with like Arab strap, right? You can't really play that kind of miserable Scottish mumbling. Yeah. Shout yeah. out Idlewild for Scottish bands that were making some oh, great Idlewild. records. Then. Yeah, they're great. Um, yeah. yeah. But, um, but Especially those of that early EP, right? The Captain, all of that. So oh, yeah, good. It sounded like yeah. the Atlanta, didn't it? Sounds just, just like yeah. the yeah. <laughs> like they were phenomenal when I see them. Um, I see, and then obviously, I see them become basically, you know, uh, a, a, a Scottish REM just become like a yeah. really, you know, fantastic yeah. man. focused, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think, uh, that period is, is a weird one, is a lull, and there was a lull, yeah, for sure. It kind mm. of people got acoustic guitars out, and it was chewing breaks, yeah, it true. was. Star Sailor, Coldplay, Badly Drawn Boy, Embrace, you know, and I, I think that the, the, the debut album by Embrace is uh, we, a masterpiece. Ah, uh, same. When they we went to see them like early on, and they were they were amazing. But yeah, yeah. after that, they went a bit, you know. Off yeah, I I, I, I agree, I agree. But that first record and yeah, them early EPs were phenomenal, and. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think you know you could play your your good good peoples and come back to what you know, and that was you know having big kind of reactions on the on the dance floor and stuff. But yeah, it, it was really weird. There was you know, um, am I is that early enough? I'm trying to think if like you know at, at this point as well there was. I guess like new metal was happening, you know. There that was... was kind of finished by then, though. Right? New metal was like ninety four to ninety six, like, wasn't it? Deftones yeah. and, and stuff yeah. like oh, that. That's that true. Still... But oh, they were a great. They were a good new, but a rare good new metal band. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we spoke to um, we spoke to the guy from Sensor the other day, and we blamed yeah. new metal on him. <laughs> <laughs> I shaved my head because I wanted to look like the guy from Sensor. He was a lovely uh, guy. Yeah, it oh, is really I didn't look like the guy well. from Sensor. I just, I just did not manage to have that look. But yeah, what a band they were! Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah explosive right. energy, right? Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it was a really weird time, and it and and it and it did feel that. I, I guess obviously Coldplay were were, were huge, but yeah. again, it's it, so you're not playing. Shit when the Strokes came along, were you like, oh fuck? Finally, yeah, completely, great, completely. Like yeah. you know, the the here, hearing the Strokes and the Vines and yeah. hot hot white hate stripes, and white... yeah, it all came back. I don't, I, I don't like the white stripes. I don't get it. What? I just don't get it. I've never got <sighs> Mate, it. We've been getting along so well. <laughs> really? <laughs> don't get it. There's bands I don't get right, and the, the the bands I don't get that my mates are like what? I don't get Led Zeppelin. Same, uh, same. Yeah, no time. Yeah, yeah. I don't get Muse. Um, I don't mind Muse. I yeah, he's say. more of them. I'm, I'm, but, I'm out. I'm yeah, out. I've seen them live. Like, they're very good. Live. I like Plugging Baby and I like Muscle Museum. Is it Muscle Museum? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like Muscle apart Muse. from that, nah. And I don't get Biffy Clyro. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> they're like the, the UK it. Foo Fighters, right? They're um, like, they're not yeah. they're not bad, but they're, they're no. little to hold on to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I did see them live at the Enemy Awards about ten years ago, and it was phenomenal the amount of noise that that little band makes. Yeah. It was like live. I was like, all right, I get this now. And also, he was the most handsome man I've ever seen. I'd only ever seen this guy with like messy long hair over his face, you know, with his yeah. with his shirt off. And all of a sudden, mm. I, like I was with someone that was, um, I was just 
my mate's plus one that, that, that was getting an award. So I got to kind of hobnob a little bit. And uh, and so he was doing this press thing and I was just sort of standing behind him, just trying to stay out of the way uh, whilst he was sort of working his way along the, the, as you walk in Brixton Academy. And there was all of these people walking past me and I was thinking, fucking hell. And I kept nudging him and I was like, la, 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 la. And, uh, and he was like, just, just chill out with you. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, and but I was just like a dog with two dicks, just like holy <laughs> shit. Like I don't even like Guns and Roses, but I was like, man, look, they're slash. Yeah. Like this is insane. <laughs> and uh, and he was just like, will you be, be cool? I was like, right, yeah, I promise, yeah. And then this guy walks past in a suit with this kind of quiff, and I was just like, my god, like that is an insanely handsome man. And and I said to James, I went, who's he? And he went. It's a scene from Biffy Clyro. I was like, what? And like, he has been hiding a pretty face uh, underneath that messy air. He was yeah. insanely handsome. But uh, yeah, but still live, I get it. But on record, nah. Not, you just not, say not, you yeah. don't like Guns yeah. N' Roses. I think I think that's what you said, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't. It's yeah. fair, it's fair. I mean, I mean, I, I love them, but it's fair, it's fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I, welcome to the jungle, I get. I like the energy. I like the fact that... It's not necessarily... They looked cock rock then, but they weren't cock rock. Yeah. They were a bit more... Yeah. Kind yeah, of... Yeah. They weren't... They were, like... They they felt dangerous, right? They felt, like... Definitely. Yeah, then, yeah. And that was exciting, you know? Although, you know, he, Kurt... I think Kurt's take on it, as in, you know, perfect. he refused to tour them, call him racist, sexist, homophobic, uh, which is fair. That's a good take, right? Yeah, you know, I, so... I, I, I just can't... I can't subscribe to Axl Rose. I think the guy's an absolute. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's understandable. Yeah. And when you look at the, I, I had a, I never released this podcast, but I've done a little series of podcasts with a, a former musician and comedian called Josh Weller, and uh, um, we basically done this this series of podcasts where we talk about the differences in money available to musicians now to what it was in the. 90s yeah and uh and we got to speak to this video director and when i had in my head the most ridiculous video ever i knew exactly what it was and and this guy had made like all the bros videos e17 videos and then he made bon jovi videos and uh and he made like like literally Aerosmith videos. He'd done everything. And he was fascinating. He'd just be talking about them. And then he went, on oh, and obviously I made the Guns N' Roses videos. And I was like, what one? And he went, <laughs> Say November Rain on you. He said November Rain. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, you made November Rain. And he was that like, Yeah, I went, tell me all about it. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and <laughs> he went, the the church was on yeah. wheels. That church is using young guns. What? It's just left in the desert, and they just wheel it around sets. What do you mean? That's wow. Uh, wow. The, the band turned up, I think the band turned up two days late. Like They said, like, normally, not two hours, two days. Two days. <laughs> like, you're sitting there. When they arrived, none of the band were talking to Axel. Right. Uh, right. And he said the bit where... Slash give him the ring. Yeah. Okay. And walks out the church. 
he fucked off. That was it. He did <laughs> fuck off at that point. That was it. He was gone. Walked off set. Did you ask him uh, to explain how Slash was on on the hilltop with it with the guitar not plugged in? Yeah, not plugged yeah, in. Famously not plugged <laughs> in. Yeah. But he was also saying that um, Axel was like business savvy. They said that he wanted to do this big budget video, and they're like, "Look, this is insane." Obviously, he'd he'd put the concept <laughs> together because it was all about him. It's just and they're like. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And and the label were like, mm, don't know if this is a good idea. And he went, well, we want to do this MTV premiere where they premiere the video like a film. The whole thing. Mm. Yeah. And uh, and he said, it's going to be a big thing, trust me. And everyone was really sceptical. And I think that album had sold however many million at that point. That uh, MTV premiere dropped yeah. and then it sold quadruple what he had sold yeah. so he yeah as mental as that video is it worked yeah, yeah and i think it. it's um donald trump's favorite uh music video of course yeah. it is <laughs> that makes sense i'm sure there's probably i'm sure there. i heard i'm sure i heard yeah um, that me or um, i bet he's into kid rock like yeah <laughs> oh yeah definitely into kid rock <laughs> but uh famous uh yeah I just, yeah um Oh, we've been ages. I won't keep you too much longer. I want to talk a little bit about youth cultures. I've heard you talk a little bit, little bit about youth cultures and stuff on Hardcore Listen. It's something I'm obsessed with, basically. So, um, you know, we talked before. I am, I am. Um, Grebo, Grunge, Britpop, you know, whatever the Strokes thing was, the skinny jeans thing. Um, I, I've, I'm struggling to think of anything since Emo. I mean, you're the you see the, the the kids coming through the club, eighteen years old the whole time. Is there anything? Is it less tribal now than it was? And is that undoubtedly, a good without doubt, it's it's less tribal. Yeah. Um, because I do think of things like Spotify and YouTube, yeah. uh, where yeah. people are exposed to everything all at once. Yeah. Uh, and and I, and a lot, you know, it's it's a double edged sword because you do. You do get, apart from metal, metalers they're, they're still die hard. Yeah, they're always yeah. metalers yeah. are metalers, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. you've got you got to respect them for that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it's very like I look at my kids and my my kids are twenty and, and seventeen, and don't get me wrong, my daughter came down the stairs about three weeks ago in a meet his murder t shirt, and I literally nearly burst into tears with pride. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but then, but but rewind uh, about a year ago, and I was showing her um, the, the the one of the uh, early Morrissey uh, videos of, from is it the humorist humorist uh, video where he's he's I think he's doing one of the early singles on stage, and everybody's just scrambling to get on stage to just you know grabbing him or hug him, and I was sort of trying to you know show my very young daughter at that time this and she's like it's like one direction but different and i was like yeah yeah kind of like it's uh <laughs> it's fanaticism <laughs> at its highest and i was like mm. uh but you might want to avoid this guy now because he's not yeah. quite cool anymore yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah. but yeah I, I do think that um you know my kids will listen to anything now because yeah. i think Spotify playlists are so varied and and how they consume their music is so different yeah. and yeah. and 
and I think the way that that, that young people are brought up now is they're far more open-minded and less judgmental and 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 and, yeah. and maybe sort of the, the blinkers but that's the fun part right it's 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 yeah. fun it, it, to, it to hate the, the metalers or whatever you know it's i know but you know did did we ever really hate metalers did we ever really no hate... that's true no no we no. didn't no. it was like no. but there was always wanted... there was always some crossover right yeah, yeah. And, but, and we'd always want to be just, you know, you'd want to wear your band T-shirt. You'd want to have your favourite bands written on your bag because you wanted an identity. You wanted to, yeah. you know, uh, you, you know, I, you know, I don't want to quote Quadrophenia, but, you know, you you know, you do want to be one of the faces and you do want to, you know, be, project, you know, who you are. And, you know, you I'd always put my coolest record at the front of my record collection and my friends come round, you know, because, you know, I yeah. wanted it to, to to really project, you know, I'm this person. And yeah. and I think as time goes on, as you get older, you know, that stuff sort of disappears. But I, I do like the fact that it's very, very open there. And 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 I, and I think that's reflected in music festivals. And I, think I was going to really say, I was, that, that was literally what, what I was going to say. Is like, you can see that in the Glastonbury crowds now, you know, it's, it's yeah. just... You know, and and kids having a weekend weird. away, isn't it? That's all it is. Yeah, and 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 I, and I struggle when you see people that are my age the day that a, a, a Reading announcement to get made, and the nineteen seventy five are on it. Who I think are great, uh, yeah, the nineteen seventy five are on it, or uh, I don't know, Lords on it. And they'll post the 1992 Reading line. Exactly lineup. with the 1975. I don't think. <laughs> it's all right. Go on, go on, go on. But but they'll post the 1991 or whatever the lineup in Nirvana on it, and just go mm. like fucking hell, like look what's happened. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. mate, you're nearly fifty. You yeah, ain't going yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Let it go. Yeah, Let yeah, them yeah, 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 have yeah. the time of their life. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, but on the 1975, I wasn't into it. <laughs> Go on, I convince me, convince it. me. I'm going to convince yeah. you, Luke, right? Yeah. Uh, I'd heard chocolate and stuff, and I didn't like it. I thought it was, like, just a bit bit in excess and like, and a bit... I, I quite liked the 80s production, but it just didn't do it for me. I listened to Matt Haley being interviewed by Eddie Temple Morris when they dropped the second record, and Eddie was talking about how incredible this record is and how he didn't give a shit about the 1975 until then. And I really respect uh, Eddie's musical taste. And I was like, I'm going to listen to the 1975 second record. Yeah. Blew my fucking socks off. Like, absolutely right. blew my All socks right. off. Go on, Luke. Um, Tomorrow's playlist. There, there's your uh, homework. Go and get it. That's Lewis. my homework. I'll I'll do that. I'll do that Love tomorrow. it if we made second. it and give yourself a try. A fantastic pop records. And what I like, I like the fact that they... They really play with pop. And, you know, they yeah. released a track called People a couple of years ago, which was essentially Nine Inch Nails. It was just pure industrial. Yeah. Uh, and now they're making, you know, really slick pop as well. And I just think I quite like it that, you know, one of the biggest bands in the country uh, are just messing with format and, and messing with, you know, it can only be, you know, good for young kids. And, yeah, and, and he's, them on I think he's an pop. advocate for bringing ticket prices down and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Luke, what uh, was your uh, um? What happened to your corner shop, gripe? <laughs> yes, right. 
So fucking hell, right? So they, um, <laughs> I had, I bought a ticket. They were playing um, uh, in Bristol at the Fleece and Firkin. Have you ever been there? Uh, it's like a Later. pub venue. Okay. I saw some good bass of Mogwai in there, man. Yeah, Nirvana and, played um, there famously, I think. I think they did. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Um, so I bought tickets to see them. And then, like, whatever, like, couple of months in advance or whatever it was uh, i went to you know i got on the bus went down to our price bought the tickets and all that and then the the week of the gig they went to number one with brimful of asher so they decided they were too important for the fleece and firkin and they cancelled the gig <laughs> on the day of the gig i even went down there and there was a sign on the door saying it was cancelled because they thought they were better than the fleece and firkin after being number one for two days Mucky and i never got to there. see them there you go. That's that's my beef with the corner shop. <laughs> um, he also refused to come on off the beaten track. Did he? Uh, oh, really? Yeah, sent him a very nice message. Though, love to chat to you. They were, went, they released an album last year. It was pretty good. That's why I hit him up. I, I liked it. Yeah. He was just like, no, I yeah. don't do that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah. Was you? Did you ever see a Bristol band called Halo? No, no, don't know them. Do you know what they? Like we we done some shows with them, uh, and one of which was at the Firkin in Bristol, and it was their home show, and they were phenomenal. A little bit early muse actually, and uh, they had a track called Sanctimonious, which I'd, I'd suggest if you get a chance to go on YouTube and watch Halo Sanctimonious, it's oh, absolutely it. phenomenal. Um, but yeah, like they, they got a, they got a massive record deal, and it just didn't seem to happen for them. But uh, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've had amazing people on on off the beaten track. Speaking of that, I mean, I was I've listened to I haven't listened to all I've listened to a lot because I'm you know I subscribe. Tommy Lee, like, Foo Fighters, Butch Big, you said, uh, Killers, Super Furries, Dodgy, everyone. Which I mean, who were you most excited about or nervous about? Uh, my my when I set the podcast up. I had two people that I wanted to get on. Uh, one was Johnny Marr, and I've not had Johnny on yet. I've had Niall, I've had his boy on, but I've not had Johnny on yet. Um, so, I, uh, the, 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 yeah, the invitation is still floating about in uh, in space to to try and reach out to Johnny Marr. Johnny, if you if you if you're listening oh, to to this one, come on, Johnny. Um, but the other person uh, who I'm uh, I think is a phenomenal talent is the actor Maxine Peake. And, yeah, yeah, uh, and and I got uh, who when I was prepping for it realized that she'd released record uh, released the record with Johnny Marr, um, <laughs> and I was so nervous because she's I, I think she's the, the, the one of the the best actors the UK's got. Yeah, you just want to do it justice, don't you? That's that's what yeah, that's where the nerves come in. And she was so adorable, like she was the first person to to get really emotional on the podcast. You know, discussing Puff the mm. Magic Dragon, and uh, and it oh, was mate, I've I've got that up there. Mate, first record. my first ever record. I've got it up there. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, and you, you well, yeah, you, you'd get it then. Like it was, yeah. you know, what a sad record, and uh, and yeah, so so that Maxine like absolutely blew me away. I think in regards to sort of being maybe nervous. Oh yeah, of course, uh, Chuck D. I, I was, oh, I was fuck. so. Like um, you know, yeah. being the age yeah. I am and, and seeing yeah. Public Enemy as a teenager, uh, and yeah, like when, when you know that you, you know 
in any minute now, this screen's going to pop up. And yes, that's Chuck that's D's the bit there. in it. That's what when uh, yeah. when, when Roddy was Chuck coming, D's going to be there. Yeah, it, that's it was so insane. weird. And and he there was no there's no fat on him. He was just like everything I asked him, he just had a fucking slick as fuck answer just yeah. straight off the hip and it was like yeah. oh mate of course you're going to be yeah. like that. you're Chuck D so yeah, yeah Chuck yeah. D was yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. was one I was completely starstruck uh, with but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, alright thank you we've kept you really way too long of course we'll put uh, links to your podcast and stuff oh, in the podcast feed um, is there anything you want our listeners if we have any um, to uh, look out for or to listen to um, I'll do a quick plug. Um, if you're in Essex yeah. uh, on, on a Friday night and you want to come and dance to some indie music, come down to Pink Toothbrush. Um, you'll, you'll love it. And uh, it's it's great. Uh, if you like your podcast and you like hearing people talk about music, um, as the lads have said, I've got off the beaten track. I've also got a podcast with a, a one-man band musician comedian uh, who's called Cunter McGang, uh, who's had very... Uh, he's, he's had sort of several Christmas hits over the last few years with Prince Andrew is a sweaty nonce. That one and uh, and the Boris Johnson <laughs> one. He's my he's my best friend. We've grown up together. We all the bands and the clubs that I spoke about we've done together. Uh, and we have a monthly podcast called Acceptably in the Eighties, where we go back to forty years that month and we talk about the charts and we talk about the films and uh, oh, it's cool. a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, maybe give that a listen and uh, and yeah, and if for some reason. I'm going to throw it out there now while I'm on the plug. Uh, if for any reason any of you are into uh, the UFC or mixed martial arts, I have a weekly podcast with Blake Harrison, who was Neil in the Inbetweeners, and we we talk about all the fights and the fight news and stuff like that, which is my other big passion. And if you're scratching around for any more podcasts, then I'd suggest you go and check out www.podbiblemag.com, which, uh, or buy a copy of the Sunday Times once a month because uh, Pop Bible is a magazine owned by me, Scroobius Pip, uh, and a gentleman called Adam, and uh, and it's your enemy of podcasts, and we put that out. Uh, we'll just head over to the, the, the website, and there's up-to-date news and recommendations from uh, from all the biggest names in podcasting through to all the new and exciting podcasts. Didn't take a breath there, boys. Hey, that's good. Perfect. It was good. Perfect. Thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. And thanks so much for asking me on this podcast. No, no, it's our pleasure. Lads. Thank you. So there we go, Stu Whiffin of the Pink Toothbrush. That's a good one, wasn't it? Really, really nice fella. Um, Dave, you weren't in the interview. What do you reckon? Yeah, I already said before, but yeah, very the one word one word description would be warm for me. Very warm guy. That's a strange word to use. What, what did you do that for? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> You could have yeah, chosen anything. Right. You chose it's nice. warm. It's nice. All it's right. a bit like, a bit like well, moist. What one word would you use to describe him? Nice. And I'll go for passionate. It's a nice, passionate and warm. But yeah, carry on, Dave. Sorry. I wish I'd... Because um, I listened to the interview and I wish I'd gone and watched that uh, documentary you mentioned. The one I have watched, though, is that documentary about common people, which was really good. Yeah, me too. After the interview, I went and watched that. Yeah. My take on common people is looking back at it is I I feel sorry for the girl in it now. I feel like it gives her a bit of a hard time. She deserves it. She had no idea about life for working class people in this country. No, but if you listen to it now, 30 years on or whatever, I think, you know, he just seems a bit of a, you know, a bit of a bitch. Oh, come on. Everybody hates a tourist. 
especially when they think it's just such a laugh. Chips don't grease won't come out in the bar. I think, fuck her, man. No way. I've got no idea. You're siding with the wrong one, Dave. So, okay. So how about my, my claim that it's the best song of the 90s, which I, I stand by? Yeah. Back it up. Well, like I talked about with Stu, right? Just like the the, the social commentary um, and all of that. I think it's, uh, as well as, you know, the, the hopefulness of it, it's, it's a real kind of like... Um, I don't know, like a flag waver for, for, you know, working class kind of hopefulness, you know? I think it's... Uh... Yeah. I'd kind of agree. It's probably the best indie song. It's not the best song, because the best song of the 90s is John Cicada. <laughs> <laughs> Another day. Jarvis is like an anti-hero hero, right? It was never yeah. seen anyone like that, really. Kind of, you know, not only go to the top of the charts, but be like tabloid fodder, you know? I mean, it's funny. I mean, some of the, some of the songs... The lyrics, he's sort of more writing about the 80s than the 90s. Yeah, Pulp started in like 1978 or something like that, right? But yeah, everyone had that album. It was it was on in every student house at that time, right? Oh, it's, well, maybe it's, it, maybe it's, it's an all-killer, no-filler record. It's, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. I mean, Common People wasn't my favourite song on the album. I liked uh, Ease and Whiz and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's a, a great song, that. Right? But you said Common People was your best indie song of the 90s. I think I only said that so I could segue into talking about John Cicada. Fair play, fair play. Fair play, yeah. yeah. All right, so 1975. Yeah, yeah, because so, Jude gave you some homework to, to go and have a listen, right? He did, but he gave me the wrong homework. So oh, right. he said the second album. So I listened to it and I thought, this is shit. And then I listened back to the interview and he mentioned, mentioned a couple of song titles and they were from the third album. So I think right. what he meant was the third album. So I listened okay. to that, and it was slightly better than the second one, but it wasn't. It wasn't all that. It Still wasn't not great. convinced. It no. didn't. It didn't blow my socks off in any way whatsoever. I did Luke's homework as well, and I disagree. I think they're very good. I, I quite like. I do like the nineteen seventy five. Why? Why? Why do you like them, Dave? I get it's just maybe you like you just like harder music. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's fair. I think that's probably true. They're, they're very poppy, aren't they, 1975? Pink Toothbrush, longest running club in the UK, as we we said, or indie club. Yeah. That's a long time to sustain something for, right? It's, it's, uh, that is an achievement in itself. I really feel like we have to go there. We should go there. But I don't yeah. know. We're I, too I old. clubbing days. Yeah. We're not. Stu still goes, isn't he? If he could get us in, in the booth behind just so we could sit down somewhere and, and enjoy it. Right. <laughs> have a good have a good old sit down <laughs> and a kit yeah and then i'll be up for that if he could get us like a vip or something so we had comfortable seats have, have either of you ever dj'd no DJ'd. i always wanted i always liked the idea i spoke to Stu about it in the interview it must be an amazing feeling to to drop a tune and everyone going nuts. Yeah, I've done it a few times uh, in Tokyo. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I used to DJ at a bar, quite a little bit out of the centre. But then I DJ. I used to DJ like between bands. Yeah, I do. I have, I've never heard this. Why haven't you said this? He doesn't blow his own trumpet, does he? You don't even need to wipe your own ass over there. <laughs> you still need to. You just don't need to do it as much because you know it's mostly got it clean for you. I played this um, like punk all day in Shinjuku, and it was quite quite a few like locally famous bands were there. And um, 
like I'd um I'd got all these like cool kind of records ready because I thought you know they're going to be like punks and they're going to be like really into their music and I need to be cool. And when I didn't get there till like eight o'clock, I think my set started, and like it started like two o'clock in the afternoon, so everyone was just like completely blotted. Basically, basically. So when you that situation, you just got to play the tunes, right? So I abandoned right. my obscure shit and just just played some. Uh, some top pogo tunes played pogo machine by registrators and uh the crowd oh. went mad i only wanted yeah, to mention it so i could put it on the playlist yeah <laughs> nice. nice they're a japanese garage punk band and pogo machine it's impossible not to pogo when pogo machine's playing simple as that yeah i can't wait to listen to it back then you didn't have spotify or anything like that so your club dj was yeah the selector who, who sort of formed your musical knowledge at the time the power they they wielded i know <laughs> they're like living gods aren't they pretty much pretty much yeah. that's how you discovered new music back then yeah. yeah 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 definitely uh you heard a song and then you went up to the booth and said what's this yeah have you ever gone up to the booth and asked the dj what a track is yeah i have actually yeah i think yeah. i have too yeah, you wouldn't do it now. You just fucking Shazam it, wouldn't you? I mean, when I was DJing, I played the the head coach version of Teenage Kicks, which is a great cover, and uh, mm. had a couple of people come up to me and ask uh, ask what it was. Yeah, it's a good feeling, uh, you know. I enjoyed his uh, stolen blur sign uh, and uh, <laughs> yes. Graham Cox anecdote. It was uh, it was great, right? It was, yeah, it was just it all come to the, the space of the nineties in that little incident. <laughs> yeah. It. yeah it's great you had robbie williams country house chart show blur yeah it was all sort of there <laughs> yeah. in that in that encounter with graham yeah. coxon yeah it's a great story which reminds it might when he's talking about stealing the signs there was a really weird craze when i was at university i don't know if it was a a nationwide thing if just like stealing for sale signs on the way home completely pointless it's probably like the most studenty thing you can do, isn't it? it? You know, stealing like a fucking traffic cone. It's like the most cringeworthy studenty thing that you can do, right? Did you have any embarrassing uh, student posters? They used to all be enemy cones. And stuff. Didn't you have like student crossing with like a sign with like a drunken person? Did you I have didn't. that one? But X Files was big, and that people used to put that stuff on their window that said. Uh, or was it trust no one? Everyone used to masking tape it on their windows. Trust no one. Or train spotting, train spotting when we were there, right? Train spotting posters were the big one. I think you got a poster with the CD. Oh, was that right? Really? I think so yeah. every yeah, student house everywhere. had a train spotting poster. It did. Yeah, yeah. it's a good poster though. To be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I thought it was interesting how we spoke about how, um, like, indie nights became. Like really cool in the mid nineties, with Oasis basically. As soon as some guys from Manchester turned up with Ben Sherman shirts and loved mm. football, then it became it became mainstream, right? To go to an indie night. I got another um, pissing next to a celebrity um, story. Following on from my uh, Beastie Boys at the urinal story, I went. I went up. Hang to... on, I haven't told mine yet. Go on, Richard Branson. <laughs> Yeah. You can't just say the words Richard Branson. What are you talking about? You weed next to Richard Branson. Yeah, yeah. I used to work for Virgin Net and he came and saw us once and we had an mm. evening out. 
and I went for a wee and he was next to me. What did he smell like? Money. He didn't really have a smell. He was mm. completely scentless. Be <laughs> <laughs> a scentless apprentice. Did you did you get a, a look at his old fella? No. Do you want to play do you want to play cock trumps? Do you want to have a have a guess? <laughs> it's probably like Jeremy Beadles. <laughs> probably is, yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't see it, so you know. No, well, mine's not story. I went up to Candom, Candom Monarch, I think they had an indie night, and um, oh, I had yeah, a wee next there. to um, John Sim. Do you remember him? Yes, Human Traffic. Human Traffic. He was oh, like yeah, the indie yeah, boy actor Sims. at the time, right? Yeah, we'll go on then. Cock Trumps. Cock Trumps, John Sim. Um, I reckon a good sturdy one. Yeah, <laughs> straight down the line. We can't nick another <laughs> podcast thing like this. That'd be the last time we play Cock Trumps. All right. Sorry, Stuart. <laughs> So we're talking about how it became a bit laddish in the mid nineties. Indie nights became a. <laughs> I think well, our became podcast main... became a bit laddish as well. It did. We accidentally we accidentally did it, didn't we? We, we, we became us, lads. Yeah. Jesus. Fuck. Sorry. I guess you you dress like like Jarvis Cocker and all that, all those yeah. sort of ilk. And I yeah. I I probably dress more like the Gallagher's. I guess it was it's just like shirts and jeans sort of thing. Well, Luke, famously, in our group, never bought any new clothes, did he? Second-hand only. Yeah. 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 But I reckon I was more of a geezer. Even though I dressed like that, I was, you know, nicking lager and doing other things I shouldn't be doing that was part of lad culture, you know? Yeah, I think it it had to rub off on us, didn't it? We are at university when it all... All yeah. exploded. So, how are you not going to get involved in it? My uh, my feminist sensibilities didn't sit well with the whole kind of you know. That's a difficult one, right? That's a, when when Gail Porter's tits are projected onto Parliament. Yeah, I wasn't into all not. of that. So yeah, there was all that. There was the whole mm. the whole all the lad cuts, and that did spill into the into the music scene, right? And um, yeah, indie clubs became cool for a little while. It sprung up everywhere. Every club had an indie night, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. A couple of years, and then it was back underground again. Yeah, I guess like ninety-five to ninety-seven must have been like the peak of that kind of lad rock scene, right? Yeah, Oasis, The Verve. Uh, who else? Yeah. Uh, cast, uh, cast. Forthcoming guests have uh, flowered up uh, in there. They're more baggy, right? Yeah, and they were a bit. They were a bit before, going weren't on they? Though, right? They did, they did. Before they were Oasis. a bit before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they were kind of 93, 94, weren't they, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, they were, they were quite laddish, actually, flowered up. Yeah, yeah, I'll give yeah. you that. Well, you had all those other bands like Hurricane Number no. 1, Monaco, all those sort of bands came oh, in. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all of them had one or two good songs, though, right? Yeah, Hurricane Number no. 1. That, um... Step Into My World, is that their song? That's it, yeah. That mm. was really good. Uh, Monaco, what, what, what do you want from me? And not that's it. I mean, Sandstorm Cast one. is a great tune. Babylon Zoo. Just wanted to get that <laughs> in so you can put that on the playlist. Oh, Baseman. mate, I've been waiting for a chance to stick it on. I love that. Yeah. It's a great song. So Spaceman. Spaceman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, before you finish, I want to make one correction in the in the interview. I don't think I ever really did live in in a dodgy area. In Bristol, you know, I think Neil kind of forced me into saying, "I was just trying to sound cool in front of Stu." I lived in one nice area and two normal areas. Okay, well, I apologise if I put put you in an awkward situation. That's all right. That's all right. But um, for the for the record, 
you've corrected the record. So, All right, record corrected. You know. So post Britpop, there was a bit of a lull where it was just sort of acoustic bands like Badly Drawn Boy. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, like Sebastian, yeah. Bell yeah. and Sebastian, you know, not really indie bangers. Yeah, it's really interesting, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and I do remember that period. It was a lull, but I, I don't mind an acoustic band myself, so it didn't really bother me. But Oh, man, I love Badly Drawn Boy. That's not yeah. a band, is it? It's a boy. <laughs> I mean, it is, isn't it? It's just a it's a solo artist, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's that other band? Oh, fuck. Cheering Breaks. Yes, Cheering Breaks. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, it was all of that, wasn't it? They just played at the uh, Wick Fest down the road from me. Oh, really? Bloody hell. Final thing that I picked up on, um, how music become much less tribal now than the, the early indie days. Back in the sort of really early 90s with the Grebo bands, it was all Sensor Sings T-shirts and Ned's T-shirts and stuff. And there's not so much of that now, is there? <laughs> but who was, it, who was it talking about that and how young people are enjoying all kinds of music and they don't have any idea that, say, Fleetwood Mac was a completely different era to, I don't know, whatever they're listening to now? Yeah, people just listen to music now, don't they? Yeah. Because you put it Spotify on and it's on shuffle and you just listen to everything. See, that's good and bad, isn't it? I mean, it's great that they do mm. that, but I don't know, man. It, it, it should mean something, you know. The bands should mean something to people. I don't know, like with the with the vinyl revival, there might be a way into that. People are spending more time with each individual record. They're getting to know the lyrics and they get, you know, they're spending more time staring at the picture of the band on the front, imitating their their look and stuff. I think maybe the vinyl revival mm. might be the way into it. I don't know. You're going Primark now and there's Nirvana t-shirts. Right. I think I saw some Nirvana trousers the other week. <laughs> it's just loads of weird Brilliant. stuff. But do you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> become... trousers. <laughs> it, it, that, but that, that's what band t-shirts have become. Do you know what I mean? Aren't the young people in Japan more tribal like we were in the 90s? Yeah, in a way, I think like Japan's like a, like a whole like a marsh a market of niche markets basically. So everyone's kind of got their own kind of niche and and they stick to it. So it's not tribal like in like a cool subculture way, but there's definitely like a niche which people latch on to. Episode eleven, our oh, interview with Stu Whiffin. What a, what a lovely bloke, though, eh? Hopefully, we'll get Whoa. him back on again at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, watch the documentary. Um, get on. Uh, off the beaten track acceptable in the yeah. 80s go on to his socials he's, he's a really good bloke but yeah if you're watching this then please do remember to subscribe to the channel give it a like leave us your comments below let us know about the indie scene in your town uh, the indie clubs you used to go to and all that sort of thing and start a conversation below if you're listening then obviously rate review all the things that help the podcast get found. Mixtape, listen to it. Babylon Zoo. Dave? See you in a minute.